Our Father, thank you that you are the living and speaking God. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us. We can know you, and we can know you through the words that you've given us. Please, would you speak to us? Speak as Florence reads. Would these words go deep into our hearts and then help me to explain them? And uh, would you be speaking to each of us what we need to hear from your word, from your life-giving truth, by your spirit? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today's reading is from Psalm 89. We read, A mascal of Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will build up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne to all generations. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the sky can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? a God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him? O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass, You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth is also yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. And the north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon joyously praise your name. You have a mighty army, strong in your hand, high in your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal child, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all day, And in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord. Our king to the Holy One of Israel. Of old you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said. I have granted help to the one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. 
The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the river. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn of the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever. And my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offsprings forever and his throne as the days of the heavens. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commands, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But... I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth with my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever. His throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithfulness, uh, sorry, a faithful witness in the skies. This is the word of God. Thank you, Florence, for reading a long psalm, but... uh, Yeah, about God's covenant with David. But we've been doing a series on the Psalms. We've been looking at the character of God. And of course, there's so much about God that we can explore, right? God is so big. There's so much that we could think about. Um, But have you ever wondered, is there anything that's kind of like stands out? That is really, this is really what God's heart is like. What uh, should we, from our perspective, it's like so important. And it's a bit slightly tricky question, of course, you know, what God is like. Everything is important. You know, everything is essential. Anything, but anything that stands out. Well, one key candidate, as what we've been singing about, and as you've heard in the reading, is God's, well, his steadfast love and faithfulness. One time in the book of Exodus, uh, Moses asks God, God, show me your glory. Show me what, God, what you are like. And what did God tell him? Well, Exodus 34, verse 6, it's on the screen. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He didn't talk about his power, didn't talk about his omnipresence, didn't talk about his wisdom. He told, what you need to know about me is his grace, his mercy, his, or his steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, those two are related, is that he keeps his promises. Steadfast love is uh, covenant commitment. 
You know, a covenant, it, it's not just any promise, it's like a marriage, right? A, a formal commitment to someone where you say, I do, I'll be committed to you. And that's that steadfast love, that loving covenant commitment. God says, that's who I am. Now, why do the people need to hear that? Why do we need to hear that? I guess everyone knows God is big. Everyone knows God is powerful. Did you know God is gracious? Did you know God is committed to you? And isn't that what we need? I mean, if I look at myself, one thing I know, I'm a sinner, right? I know that uh, I'm weak. And I know I'm going to let God down. What I need to know is that he doesn't let me down, right? And so, yeah, God's steadfast love and faithfulness are, are celebrated throughout the Bible And this psalm, Psalm 89, well, you can hear what it's about, right? Let me read verses 1 and 2 again. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. All through the psalm you can keep hearing it. Steadfast love, faithfulness. This is who God is. But faithful to do what? Well, it's a covenant commitment, so and there needs to be a covenant. And so, yeah, it's, uh, as you've heard, this psalm is about a covenant made. Uh, which covenant? Which agreement? I mean, last week we talked a bit about a covenant, but that was between God and the people. But as you've heard, this is different. This is between God and David. Verse 3, you have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. He promised to David that, yeah, your, uh, your descendants, your throne, your kingdom will be forever. Now, a few weeks ago, if you were here, we looked at Psalm 2 and we looked at the same promise. It's, this is one of those key passages in the Bible. So let's, uh, let, let's have it up again. This is what God promised to David, 2 Samuel 7. The, the people of Israel, they had struggled, they had hundreds of years of difficulty with enemies, and then they finally had a good King David. And what did, he prom- what did God promise to David? Verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. You heard it, right? Your throne will be forever. One of your descendants will be king and he will rule forever. And so there will be peace forever. There will be justice forever. Because David was, he was the greatest king Israel had. When when he ruled, everything was good. And because he was such a great warrior, you know, all their enemies were under control. And so the people had peace and the people had everything wonderful. And now God promises, well, that's going to last forever. One day, David, one of your descendants... He will be my son and he will reign forever. And so in Psalm 89, basically what this promise 
it's just a meditation on that and, and a, a great praise of God for this incredible promise that, that was the great hope for the people. Of course, it's not just about his faithfulness. There's, there's God's strength as well, right? Like in some, back in Psalm 89, uh, verse 8, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. Verse 13, you have a mighty arm, strong as your hand. I mean, God needs to be powerful. It's no point making promises if you can't keep them. God needs to be powerful, and he is. But most of it, yeah, is about this, this covenant, uh, about the reign of the king, right? Verse 22, the enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. Uh, verse 25, I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. I'll make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. And here is the king, and God will be with him, and no one will defeat him. And he will rule over the whole Middle East, and, and everything will be wonderful. And, and that's great, but the thing is, uh, will it last? It's always the problem, right? Good things may not last, right? Maybe you've had a summer holiday, and now uh, Monday you go back to school, and that's not great. Uh, that's for our kids. Or friendships that don't last, but no, this promise as well, it will last and last and last, right? You heard the permanence, verse 28. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever, and his throne as the days of the heavens. Uh, 36, his offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me, forever, forever. Like the sun, right? Every single day that the earth has existed, the sun has risen. Every single day, right? We, we, there's no doubt that the sun ever wouldn't rise. The sun is always there. And just as committed, says God, this promise, this promise that God will be with this king. And what if he sins? Of course, sin is the big problem, right? What if he rebels? Well, verse 30. If, he, if his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules... If they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove, verse 33, from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever. You can hear the commitment. I will not remove my commitment. Whatever happens, I will be faithful. I will do this. You know, you, you heard the, the negatives, right? I will not be false. I will not violate my covenant. I will not lie to David. Once for all, I, I have sworn by my holiness. If I don't do this, then I'm no longer holy, right? That's basically what God is saying. This is how committed he is. So no wonder this is the people's hope, right? No wonder everyone was waiting for the son of David, for, the, for this king. This is how they felt, right? They felt secure in God's faithfulness. They had the Davidic kings. They, Israel had the king from the line of David, and God was with him, and so everything would be okay. They had rest in this king. They had peace in this king. They had justice in this king. Everything they want, even if some of the kings weren't that good, God was committed to the king, and they would be blessed. And for, for, for hundreds of years, they could see that in history. Yeah, Saul was the first king, and when he sinned, he got rejected, and his family too. But David, when he sinned, 
God remained committed, right? There was a coup, but it failed, and David remained on the throne. And then Solomon, his son, started good, ended really badly. The people rebelled, but God protected the kingdom, right? Uh, Most of the tribes rebelled, but some of them stayed, and Jerusalem stayed, and the temple stayed, and the Davidic line stayed. Uh, 200 years later, the Assyrian Empire came, and all those rebellious tribes were destroyed. And they destroyed a lot of Judah, but Jerusalem did not fall. God protected Jerusalem. It stayed, right? Because God was committed. There was a good king, Hezekiah. You know, uh, there were terrible kings in history, Ahaz, Manasseh, but God always kept his promise. Lots of ups and downs, but Jerusalem never fell because of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. Isn't this wonderful? Can you, can't you imagine Ethan, the psalmist, just, you know, let the heavens praise your wonders. You're so wonderful. You're so faithful, right, God? That is what this psalm is about. Except, how did Ethan feel in 587 B.C.? Because the thing is, if you read on in the Bible, David's kingdom did end. Josiah was the last great king, and he brought revival. But after Josiah came the Babylonian Empire. And they were big, and they were powerful, and they took over the Middle East. And they came to Jerusalem, and they took away the king. And they took away the upper class, and the middle class, and the silver, and the gold, and sent them all into exile. And they installed a puppet king, uh, Zedekiah. And after a few years, he rebelled. And then the Babylonians, yeah, they sent their whole army. And they besieged Jerusalem for three years. It was a horrific siege. They ran out of food. They ran out of water. It was terrible. Uh, the king tried to escape. He tried to run away, but he was captured. And what did they do with the king? Well, first they made him watch as uh, all his sons were killed. It's like the end of the family line, right? No more sons, no more descendants. And then they, well, they gouged out his eyes and they took him as a slave to Babylon. And that was the king. And what did the Babylonians then do? Well, they destroyed the city, they burned the temple, and they took all the people away into exile to Babylon. What has happened, right? No capital, no temple. No reign of David, no house of David, no family of David. The kingdom that would last forever was gone. How does it feel to have your only hope taken away? Well, let's read the rest of Psalm 89, because we didn't read all of it. Here is how Ethan felt, verse 38 onwards. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have breached all his walls. You have laid his strongholds in ruins. All who pass by plunder him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have also turned back the edge of his sword. And you have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You've cut short the days of his youth. You've covered him with shame. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity have you created all the children of man? What man can live and never see death? 
Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations, with which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. I think you can hear his emotion, right? Lord, what happened? Where is your steadfast love? What happened? From his perspective, all well, the covenant is, is broken, right? Verse 39, uh, you have renounced the covenant with your servant. servant yeah? He doesn't blame the Babylonians. It's not that they were too strong for God. No, you, right? You have cast down his crown. You've rejected him. You've breached his walls. You have laid him low. You've exalted his enemies. You, you. Right? He, he just feels betrayed. How long, O oh Lord? How long will you be angry? I'm going to die soon. Is this it? Where is your love? Right? Here is your king being taken away as a slave, all his sons dead, the city destroyed. Right? You heard it. The walls breached and plundering. Lord, what happened? I'm sure you can emphasize, right? And this is their great hope, and it was taken away. The thing they built their whole life on, taken away. I think it's so fascinating that this is in the Psalms, right? The Psalms, you think this is all happy praise songs, and it's not. Here is someone who just thinks God has been unfaithful, who thinks it was, he doubts everything, and that is here in the Psalms. And clearly God is not embarrassed by that question. That's why he gave us this book. Feels a bit like Job, right? We just did a series in Job, and Job just didn't understand what was happening, uh, why, he, uh, why, why he suffered. But for him, it was just that God was bigger than he thought. This one is, is even worse, right? It's not that he doesn't understand God. It's just that God is, he thinks, unfaithful to his promises, right? Uh, God, I know what you've promised, and, and you haven't kept it. Lord, such a painful feeling. I mean, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt that kind of, you know, you put all your hope in the Lord and, and God didn't do it? And you felt like he lied to you. Maybe there was this job that you really needed and you didn't get it. Or maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe even now you're going through some crisis and you wonder, God, where is your love? Can I still trust you? That's the question here, right? God says he is faithful. What if it doesn't look like that at all? What if it looks like no one can trust him? I guess we, we want to know the answer. And I'm sure you know the answer, right? I'm sure you know God is faithful. But the answer is not here in the psalm. We need to read on in the Bible. We need to read on in the psalms. Now, we, as we read on, we'll discover, yeah, of course, God kept his covenant. Covenant kept. Now, what was the problem? Why was Ethan wrong? Why was Ethan so despairing? I can think of three things that we can think about. First of all, I think he misunderstood God's promise. He misunderstood God's promise because, you know, Solomon wasn't that king. He thought, you know, David's descendant and from then on it will be great. And surely that's Solomon, right? His son. God never said it was Solomon. It will be one of your descendants. It could have been a long time later, right? In some sense, he should have read the small print. 
He was just too eager. You know, it must have been Solomon. Everything must be right. No, no. It could be a long time later. He misunderstood God's promise. And also, you know, he couldn't see what God was doing, second. Because David's family wasn't wiped out. Yes, Zedekiah and his sons were gone. Actually, the previous king was still alive. The previous king, you know, he became king at age 18. He was just a teenager. When Babylon came, he surrendered. He was taken to exile. But because he surrendered, he was treated well. And he was in Babylon, and he got married, and he got kids. And the royal family was still there. They were not in power, but they were alive. You know, Ethan just couldn't see what God was doing. But God was doing something. But I think underlying everything, underlying that actually it's not what they expected. They didn't realize the scope of God's plan. They didn't realize how big God's plan was. They kind of thought, you know, David and Solomon are good enough. We just need a good king who can defeat our enemies. They didn't realize what they really needed. What they needed was a king who could deal with their sin. That's why they went into exile, because they were sinners facing judgment. Sin is our rebellion. It is the big problem. It's why the world is a mess. It's why everything is wrong. That is what we need dealing with. And as you read on in the Psalms, God says, no, you don't need an ordinary king. You need a king who is also a priest, a king who can deal with your sin, a king who doesn't have his own sin, a king who can die in your place. That is what you need. And they just didn't get that. That is what God had to teach them. That is what they had to meditate on. But God knew what they needed. And was God faithful? Did he send a descendant? Yeah, of course, right? 600 years later, from that family of that exiled king, uh, there was a carpenter named Joseph, and he was engaged to a virgin called Mary. And she was pregnant with child from the Holy Spirit. It's Christmas, right? I mean, just listen to what the angel said to Mary. Uh, and you can hear the echoes, right? Uh, Luke chapter 1. Uh, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You can hear it, right? The promise to David fulfilled right now, right, in this baby. Is that right? Did Jesus fulfill all God's promises? It's it's, it's complicated, right? Because what happened, actually, it was still more complicated. Because Jesus, yeah, he did all the miracles. Clearly, he was God's king. And then they went to Jerusalem. And did he start reigning as king? No. (laughs) What happened to Jesus? He got arrested and crucified. And you can imagine the disciples they were again confused. Lord, what, what, what's this? You know, here's your king. And they could almost sing Psalm 89 again. Lord, you are full of wrath against your anointed. You know, uh, he's become the scorn of his neighbors. Uh, you've made all his enemies rejoice. You've covered him with shame, right? Here's your king and he's hanging on the cross. What's happening? Well, he didn't, they didn't understand. It was in their place. Zedekiah died for his own sin, but Jesus... He died for our sin. He died to take the punishment that we deserve. But then three days later, he rose from the dead and defeated death, never to die again. And he will rule over the whole world forever, right? All God's promises fulfilled? Still not. 
What happens? Jesus rises from the dead. Okay, Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom of Israel? No. <laughs> Jesus went to heaven. Right? Can you see how complicated God's plan is? You know, Jesus comes, but then he dies. And then he rises, but then he goes away. And then one day, finally, two, you know, 2,000 years and counting, one day he will come back. And then it will be fulfilled. Then he will reign over the whole world forever. And then there will be world peace. And then there will be an end to death. And then there will be an end to suffering. Right? God's plan takes just so much longer than we think. It's so much more complicated than we think. We don't think about that, right? We just think God's plan is easy. It isn't. But he is faithful. He sent the king and he died for our sins and he rose from the dead and he's reigning in heaven and he will come back. And God will not be false. He will not lie. He will keep his promise. All the Psalm 89 is, is all true and we can keep going. But I don't want to just kind of now celebrate that because this psalm is so depressing, right? This is a really depressing psalm. So what do we do if we feel like Ethan? If we know this, that actually, you know, God's plan is just, it's longer, it's more complicated. What, how about us? What if we feel like God is not keeping his promise? Or what if we feel like this in the future, right? Most of us, we're young and we're happy and everything's okay. What if in the future things are hard? Well, let's look at those same three problems. You know, some of us, maybe we are struggling because we misunderstand God's promises. Maybe there are things that, that you've been told that are just not true. So maybe you're single and you really want to be married and you kind of think, well, God has promised that there is a spouse for me somewhere and, you know, why doesn't he give me that spouse? I don't see God promising that. You know, some people will be single their whole life. You know, God never promises it. God, God never promises to save all your family members. That can be quite hard, right? It's really hard that you, maybe you have elderly relatives and they don't want to believe. And doesn't God promise that your whole household will be saved? No, people are saved by grace. Your whole household can be saved if they believe, but if they don't believe. And then it's really hard. I mean, my parents don't believe. I find it really hard. But God hasn't promised to save every person. Uh, same for children. Maybe you're older and your children aren't Christians and you thought, well, God promises, you know, train up a child in the way they will go and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Well, that's a proverb. It's what's generally true. It's good to raise your children in the faith, but it's not a, a promise. God doesn't promise to save every person. And, and, and that can be hard, but we, we need to know what God promises and what he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't promise that every, you know, every ministry will be successful. You know, maybe you're trying something for God and it doesn't work out. It happens. Uh, Don Carson tells this story about this, this couple. Maybe a hundred years ago, they went to Kenya in Africa for, for mission work. And they, you know, they, they, they really went for it, but there was just no fruit just no one believed. There was just a local village, one little boy who liked to listen to his wife, but nothing happened. And they had a young baby girl, and, and then the wife got sick from some disease, and she died. And after years of, of working, and it was so hard and no fruit, yeah, this guy just gave up. And he, with his daughter, he went back to the U.S., and yeah, he lost his faith, became an alcoholic. Why? Well, because he just... 
He, he thought, you know, we go for God and, and he will bless it. And God didn't. Right? It's so important that we know God's promises, that we're clear, that we don't have false hopes. Now, that doesn't mean it's not hard when these things happen. It is hard. But at least God hasn't been unfaithful, right? That's why it's important. So make sure we don't misunderstand God's promise. And then again, maybe sometimes we just can't see what God is doing, right? Maybe we just need to trust that he is doing something. Maybe he's at work in your family behind the scenes. Or that story of that, uh, that missionary. Because, you know, that guy's daughter grew up and went to church. And, you know, like 20 years later, there was a conference. And there was uh, someone speaking from Kenya about the amazing revival happening there. And, you know, she wanted to speak to the speaker. Hey, uh, you know, the, the, this great church leader, great evangelist. Hey, uh, do you perhaps know my parents? They, they ministered in Kenya like 30 years ago. And... Uh, but they were in this village, but they, you know, they, they didn't have much success. Just this little boy who listened to my, my mom. And I guess you know the story, right? The guy said, but well, I am that little boy. <laughs> and God had done an amazing thing through what they did this one little boy who heard the gospel. You know, sometimes we just don't know what God is doing. You know, this guy, he, he heard that. That, that, that what God has done, and, and he, he broke down in tears, and he repented, because he just, you know, sometimes that happens, but not always. Huh? We, we, need to, we need to get the balance right. And, and sometimes, yeah, that third thing. I think often the big problem is just we don't realize the scope of God's plan. We, we, we confuse when God does what, because the Christian life is hard. If you think being a Christian, my life is now great. I'm a child of the king. Everything will be wonderful. It's not. You will still have marriage trouble. You know, there will still be suffering and sickness because, yeah, Jesus will come twice, right? He came once, but he will come twice. And Jesus, two comings. We need to keep them apart. I think the Bible sees it as kind of two ages. There's the old age of sin and death. And there's, there's the new age that Jesus brings. And he starts the new age when he first comes at the cross. But the old age is still here. That will only disappear when he comes back. And so sin is still here. And death is still here. And, and, and sin and death are huge. Right? Death and decay runs through me everywhere. The only way that I'm going to stop being sick and dying is if I die and get a, re- a resurrection body. That's when there will be no more death. Sin. Sin runs so deep in our hearts and in our bodies. The only way you're going to get rid of sin, the way you're going to have a perfect, you know, be perfect is if God, if you die and you rise again. And if you know that, then, yeah, you don't have false expectations, right? Maybe work is really hard. Maybe your boss is terrible and your colleagues are really annoying and your clients and you, and you wish, God, please change this, right? Would, would my, I have a perfect job? Think about what you're asking. Okay, God, can you can my boss please die and be raised from the dead? And can my colleagues please die and be raised from the dead? And all my clients as well. And me. God's not going to do that, right? That's ridiculous. Uh, but that's effective. If you want to get rid of sin in your workplace, that is what needs to happen. You all need to die and rise again. So we just need to wait. We need to realize how 
Yeah, the scope of God's plan. What a big thing it is to deal with sin and deal with death. Yeah, it, 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 it seems ridiculous now. Although, again, one day it's not. One day Jesus will come back and we will all have a resurrection body. And if you and your boss and your colleagues are Christians, you can work together forever in the perfect workplace in the new creation. Right? That will happen one day. Same for healing. God can heal now. He can. But it was only temporary. Anyone he heals will still die. It's only later. But God promises to heal every Christian from all diseases completely one day. When? When Jesus returns. When we die and have a resurrection body. We just need to see beyond death. I think Ethan couldn't see that, right? Verses uh, in back in Psalm 89. Yeah, he, you remember how short my time is. What man can live and never see death. You know, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm not going to see it. Well, yeah, you're not going to see it now. But Ethan would see it when he would be raised from the dead. Then he will see the fulfillment. And same for you. Maybe you won't see it now, but you will see it later when God raises you from the dead. So for now, let's hold on. When it's hard, when you can't see the fulfillment, when you wonder what God is doing, hold on. God will keep his promises. He is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. And that is his character. He will not lie. He will not be false. He will keep every promise. We need to make sure we know them, that we don't have false expectation. But he will keep it. And he will. He said he will forgive all your sins. And he will. And he said no one can snatch you out of his hands. And he, no one can. And he said he will raise you from the dead. And he will. And so we can persevere. So let's keep going. Let's keep trusting. Let's hold on to God's steadfast love and faithfulness why don't we take a minute and just think about these questions on the screen and then i will pray for you pray for us for me as well after that I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Lord, we thank you that you are committed to us. We, we, we are sinners, we are weak, but you are a God who is faithful and committed. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for your promises. Thank you that you will not lie. You will not be false. Pray that we would hold on. Where each of us needs to hear, hear this, where each of us is struggling at the moment, please speak into that. And would we see your faithfulness? Would we hold on? 
would we get through it, no matter how hard it is, because we know we can hold on to you. We can hold on to your promises, to your steadfast love. Thank you that you never change. Thank you that you always come through. And we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen.